What's going on guys, my name is Elden Nero and welcome to a Midnight Hour movie review. Today myself and Santiago from the brilliant Weird With You podcast are bringing you a full review of the movie Nerve, which was released last summer. You can check it out on Netflix or whatever means you have by which to consume movie content in 2017. Something I'm not all that familiar with, but I'm pretty sure you can like rent movies on iTunes and stream them as they're downloading and all of that type of stuff. So. Um, you know, you should uh, check out the movie if you want to follow along with the review, and if not, you can just watch it, you know, whatever. Um, just a quick note about the guest Santiago. If you're unfamiliar, he's one half of the Weird With You podcast, as I mentioned, and he's been on the Midnight Hour a couple of times. I'm a huge fan of his show, and you can find it linked in the description. He's also backed by popular demand, because a few of you, A actually wanted him back on the show and asked for it and B wanted him back for this specific purpose which is movie reviews so if you're psyched to see this kind of content then please consider leaving a like and definitely go over to weird with you and drop them a follow or subscribe to them on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you use if you can hear there's like a bird's nest right outside my room and it's crazy I feel like I'm in some kind of dystopian post-apocalyptic hellscape zoo where birds rule the world anyway with that out of the way there's not too much to say in this intro as per the title you can expect a spoilerific episode so don't come crying to us if and when we ruin this movie for you also as this is kind of a new type of content for me i'd really appreciate it if you could support the video by leaving a like or a comment just so i know it's well received and that i should be making more content of this sort if you have any suggestions for future movie reviews please leave them in the comment section below or on the subreddit uh, which will be linked in the description. I'd like to stick to movies that are on Netflix because that's probably one of the best ways to be sure that we can all watch these films together as I'm sure most of you will have access to a Netflix account. If you're listening to this on an audio platform like SoundCloud or iTunes, you can obviously download it, but if you access the video on YouTube, which I'll link in the description, you'll be able to see some pretty visual aids and they might be able to help you relate the audio back to the movie a little bit more, especially if you haven't seen it in a while. Finally, if you want to discuss this movie review and don't have a YouTube account, you can follow us on Twitter or check out the subreddit. All of the links will be in the description for both myself and for Weird With You. Alright, the podcast is going to start now. I really hope you guys enjoy it and I really, really hope you'll let us know what you think. I'm joined today by Santiago, one half of the Weird With You podcast. Thanks for coming back. Hello. And today we're going to review the movie Nerve, which is available Nerve. on Netflix. It's uh, a really like new movie. It, it came out in July in USA, but I believe it was like a September release in Europe. But I never even actually saw a single trailer for it. I just saw the thumbnail for it on Netflix and decided to click it because it was really shiny, really colorful. <laughs> That is how my dumb idiot brain works, and that is the only reason that I actually watched the movie in the first place. Um, I was really surprised to find out, though, that it was directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman, the guys who did the Catfish documentary yeah. in 2010. I, I didn't know they were even into movies. I didn't know that they had made two paranormal movies. or. Um... They did the Catfish TV show also. Yeah, but that's not really like... That doesn't require and talent. <laughs> you know. Written by Jessica Scharzer. You know what she did? I don't know what she did. The made-for-movie, uh, made-for-movie, made-for-TV remake of Dirty Dancing. Oh, hot damn. On ABC. You know that she's got skills. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that that existed. 
And she's a like a producer on American Horror Story, apparently. Oh right. Well, that's that's a pretty good credential, I think. Um, uh, well, <laughs> I've I've never seen that, but my friends rave about it, and they say it's really good. So the first two seasons are excellent, and everything after that is trash. My opinion, <laughs> not everyone's opinion. You don't that's have to, you don't have to say that on this show. It's totally fine. <laughs> you you don't want to know my opinion on Bohemian Rhapsody and how I project it as fact. So, um, ah. yeah, it's it's garbage. Anyway, um, <laughs> the movie is actually based on a book by. <laughs> so, is it Jean Ryan or is it Jean Ryan? Because that has to be the weirdest way of spelling. It's J E A N N E. I'm gonna say it's Jean. But that's like a guy's name. Is it? Well, I I, I is, will. Is Jian uh, a woman or a man? That's a good question. I mean, it looks feminine because it's N N E. Like that. That yeah. Usually implies like, femininity. I think. Maybe it's actually uh, they messed up on IMDb and there's supposed to be a space there and it just says Je An. Yeah, that's possible. I Ann. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's a girl and it's Jean Ryan because that makes sure. sense to me. Um, so neither of us have read the book and uh, neither no. of us knew that such a book even existed up until quite recently. Um, so, yeah, we just launched straight into the movie. It's got Emma Roberts, who is in all of these sort of teen movies. And it's got Dave Franco, who, despite having the last name Franco, is not a piece of shit. So that's pretty cool. Um, Looks a lot like his brother, though. I, I I think, see, when I see James Franco, I want to punch him in the face. When I see Dave Franco, I think this guy would probably be a good friend to have he's around. He's the him. least, he's the less sleazy, nicer looking brother. Yeah, but yeah, but he is still sleazy looking, isn't he, in a weird way? A little bit, but not as much as his brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus, he doesn't have the, like, reputation damage that his brother has suffered. Like, you know, mm. sending that 17-year-old girl, like, 200 Instagram messages to try and meet up with her. And all of the various other weird things that James Franco gets up to in his spare time. Can uh, I just say unimaginative parents? Really? James and Dave? <laughs> With a last name like Franco, I'd expect more. Yeah, like Julian. Call, her, call Ulysses your... Franco. Yeah, yeah, something cool. Like it's so but funny. He's like, that... call me Yule. Oh yeah, these acting families that have like uh, <laughs> River Phoenix and Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. Oh yeah, no, exactly. we've, we've just got James and Dave over there. <laughs> <laughs> acting. We up had another stuff. son. His name would be Bob. Bob Franco. <laughs> um, Jeff. It's also got Emily Mead who was in a movie called Money Monster that I also watched recently, and her, like, one scene in it was absolutely amazing. So um, I, I don't really know her from anything else, but uh, ah, she's pretty good. She plays Sydney, the um, hardcore rebellious teenager who is friends yeah. with Emma Roberts, who is very uh, shy and, like, a bit of a wet blanket, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then Juliette Lewis is in it, who obviously is a heroine. And uh, also Machine Gun Kelly is thrown in there for good measure. Because why not? Just why for not? fun. Yeah. Why not just throw a, quote, rapper, end quote, into your teen movie to uh, appeal to all of the wide ranges? So um, we will be discussing spoilers throughout this. And I guess we could give like a brief synopsis of the movie itself. Basically, V, who is played by Emma Roberts, is a, a shy teenage girl who 
uh, has a, a single mom, from what I can tell. Um, she mm-hmm. has uh, an older brother who died a few years previously, and she wants because he was to, too adventurous. He was way too adventurous. Yeah, he never said no to anything. That's right. Or it was it that he says yes to everything. It was one of those. It was one of those. Yeah, he he's just not a maybe guy at all. Like not by no. any measure. Um, Absolutely not. So. Yeah, she wants to go to, like, art school or college or something like that far away, but she feels really guilty about leaving her mother because her mother really selfishly outright tells her that she does not want her to move out, which I thought was really weird and very uncharacteristic of Juliette Lewis, too. I did not think that that kind of role suited her. Um, Then... Her best friend is Sydney, played by Emily Mead. She's the really outrageous, adventurous, stereotypically insecure um, high school girl that, like, wants to show off to everyone because deep down she feels nothing inside. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I assume is happening. That's a pretty accurate description of it. So they start playing this game called Nerve, or at least Sydney introduces the idea of this game called Nerve that she sees on Facebook, and uh, they show a little trailer for it, which I actually think was pretty well done. Like, it did actually remind me of uh, something that I'd see on 4chan, like the mixture of really bad old grainy footage and sort of new slick, you know... It it had that uh, anonymous kind of thing. It totally did, yeah. And, and like, it was... It seemed pretty rich in, like, memes as well. Like, not in a really Mm. tacky, tone-deaf way that you'd see in some Hollywood movies. Like, it did seem to actually be in touch with the type of demographic it would, you know, attract in real life. Um, And basically, the idea is, like, you sign up for Nerve as either a watcher or a player, and you pay, Mm. like, $20 for a month or something like that to watch, and you get to watch people film stuff on their phones that they do. They outrageous dares that verge from eating dog food to, like, jumping off a really high thing into some water or... um, What was the thing that Machine Gun Kelly was doing at the start? He was, like, uh, on a skateboard holding onto the bumper of a police car. Yeah. Which was... Yeah. uh, As it it careened down the street... It, it's very um so the thing is that the the watchers can actually vote on what the dare is going to be yeah. and then that so the dare is kind of um democratically uh voted on by by the watchers and then the person who is doing the dare has to a certain amount of time in order to do it uh before they are no longer in the game and they get paid and, really handsomely for it too and some well, I guess we'll get to this later but some of the dares receive a disproportionate amount of money for yeah. how stupid it is <laughs> yeah they really do um but like if 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 that was a real thing i would totally be signing up for that like i'll eat dog food for 150 dollars like i mean i shouldn't have said that on, <laughs> on a podcast <laughs> the evidence is out there yeah um i think the funny thing is that like you literally can just quit whenever you want yeah so i mean I, I don't know. I guess it, it's pulling on the the kind of gambler instinct where you that kind of uh, addictive mentality where you get kind of addicted to the loop, the gameplay loop of of nerve would be like making the money and getting more money and progressively as you get more viewers, you would be making more and more money. And you get more famous too. Like you get you get the buzz of you know people knowing who you are and the notoriety and and all of that stuff that that insecure girl Sydney wants. You know, like just that sort of brush with fame that our generation is constantly criticized that, you know, being completely engrossed by. It does kind of remind me 
of the beginnings of Twitch and other streaming services yeah. uh, for games where you would have these people who would be like, uh, if you subscribe, if you pay me or if you tip me, like, I'll do this. Yeah, yeah. And in the early days, it would be women being like, "If you do this, I'll take my top off," or like a guy would be, "If you do this, I'll do some, I'll jump off my roof or whatever." And like people started getting hurt, and uh, a lot of the stuff was becoming kind of like pornographic, so they had to to put a halt on it. Yeah. But it is kind of like uh, keying into those those sorts of, uh, I guess like behaviors that that people kind of indulge in when whenever there's this mob mentality of like, "Oh my God, I'll give you money to do this." Yeah, and. The sinister edge isn't really, like, prevalent in the beginning. Like, it does say that the third rule is that snitches get stitches, but it doesn't ever really specify what that actually means. So Even at the end, it doesn't. Like, no. It's not very clear. Yeah, there, there, there are certain ways in which they don't clarify um, things about the game that, in real life, these would be the first types of questions that you ask. But I kind of think that that works in the movie's favor too. Like it never mm. tells you how big Nerve actually is. As a, it never tells you like the um, extended network of the game, how many users it has. But it does. I did notice that when um, V first signs up to it, it says Nerve New York, and mm. um, Tommy, who we haven't mentioned yet, who is the most friend-zoned character in the history. Of, and I, I don't believe in the concept of a friend zone, but this guy has fucking invented it. He was so written he could, into a friend zone. Yeah, like that was the how the way the writing was. Yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. He's basically uh, Emma Roberts's bitch in the movie and does everything that she asks of him, um, and with a smile on his face. Um, so which is funny cool. because there's there's a scene later on in the movie where she criticizes. Um, uh, what's her name? The, the best friend? Sydney. Sydney. She criticizes Sydney for turning her into the exact same thing that she does to Yeah, uh, that's to true. Her friend zone guy. Yeah, he is he he is so friend zoned. Um but he, he tells her that there that um they played it in Seattle and some kid died in Seattle and she's like, There's no way that that's true. I mean, I'm not gonna look it up even though I have the ability to do that in the palm of my hand <laughs> right now, but that's not gonna happen. And um like, so, the characters are just dumb enough for the movie to work. They are, and they give you little hints about what their sort of specialist topic is. Like, Tommy is a guy who spends most of the movie driving around in his car on the phone to people or else on his laptop. Um, Watching and, video while he drives. Yeah, which is just way worse <laughs> like, than any of the stuff that the people honestly, participating in Nerve Honestly, he should doing. be making some money off of that. Yeah, like, if he had signed up as a player, everybody would be like, well, keep watching and yeah. keep driving. But he's like the ultimate wet blanket, I think. Um, oh man, yeah. He's also Tommy just, sucks. yeah. He's a stereotypical nerd. He knows what the dark web is, and he says you're only accessing ten percent of the web while talking about how great he is. That was one of my favorite web. lines of the movie. Was he's going on about I, I guess how much of a, a hacker he is or whatever, and I think his quote was, oh, "Where do I have it? I have it somewhere here about the deep web." He says the deep web, I think. I thought he said dark. Does he say dark web? Yeah, maybe it's deep. No, yeah, you know, it's dark web. He says, I spend a lot of time on the dark web. <laughs> the, the, and that line came out of nowhere. There was no kind of him talking about being a hacker first. He was just like, I spend a lot of time on the dark web. <laughs> That's. I kind of like that, though, that it just... 
if you know, then you know. Like, if you get that <laughs> reference, then you just straight up know that this guy, at some point in the near future, is going to shoot up a school. Like, let's face <laughs> it, it's America. You know, he's driving yeah. around, he's on the dark web. It's like, is this guy's either a hacker, or he's into watching some really weird, messed up stuff. This guy went to... Like, he googled how to get a girlfriend, found a pickup artist, eventually ended up hating all women, and then kills himself in a school along with seven of his fellow classmates. And that's pretty much his character arc. Um, well, that got dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have Nerve. a tendency to do that. <laughs> this is a 12-rated movie. Uh, yeah, no, for real, though, for those of you weirdos who listen to this without having seen the movie, that doesn't happen. He's just a nice kid who drives around in his car and accesses the dark web. Um, He's just like the world's sweetest hacker. He is. He is exactly that. He's just, He's just such a nice hacker. Yeah, he is. He's just he so altruistic. It's it's you can tell the writers were like we want to appeal to everyone who has ever been on the internet and that includes the scumbags who do all the hacking. So and he's the thing that's weird about that character. He's not even completely. He's so friend zoned, but at the same time completely not friend zoned because he seems very aware of the fact that it's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, and like and it's. It's like a little bit defeated, but at the same time, he's just like, I've got nothing better to do. And like V doesn't actually leverage the idea of there ever being anything intimate in it for him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's why it's that's why there's no such thing as a friend zone, to be honest. But um, right. He he's he's just like her slave. And it's it's really weird. You know, Um, I always feel like I always used to think that every Julia Roberts movie was written by her boyfriend at the time because it always makes her out to be this incredibly beautiful woman when in fact she isn't and she has a weird looking face (laughs) and I feel like the same thing now is happening with her niece Emma Roberts because she's also like not really that attractive at all. Dude I you just blew my mind I had no idea that they were related. (laughs) Really? (laughs) But they look the exact same. Now I see it. Now I see it. Now I see what I don't really like about Emma Roberts. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Julia. That's exactly it, though. It's the weird-looking jawline. And, like, don't get me wrong. I am a huge fan of women with, like, unconventional faces. Like, I... Like Google, uh, Google a woman called Tamin Sursok or whatever. Like, uh, uh, like she is incredible. Reese Witherspoon. Like, I love that. But, but Julia Roberts is. I don't know. Something weird about it. And Emma Roberts has the same-looking thing. And I'm just. It's not all that into it. I um, think for me, it's it's not so much that she has a weird face. It's just that her expression is constantly. She looks like she's always on the verge of absolutely losing it. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I'm. She's probably such a nice person. Yeah. But honestly, every, every time I see a movie with her in it, she just looks like the camera goes off and she snaps. <laughs> she's just like on a on a on a knife's edge, you know. Yeah, I I do she, know what you mean as well. She's hanging in there by a string, like she's practically vibrating i've always thought that julia roberts just looks really unhappy like and yeah. that her smile is is coming from beneath eyes that are completely dead inside and mm. colorless and like, not I even w- the best actress yeah cover. <laughs> exactly um what were we talking about before that i guess tommy uh tommy yeah. yes nerve so 
Sydney is like all up in this nerve game, and she's like, "Oh, check it out! I've got like this many followers," and and then she moons the entire school at a, a cheerleading, a cheerleading. Uh, we we don't have cheerleaders in our what's a, a, cheer- a cheerleading rally, like a like it's a it was a football game. Yeah, yeah, it was a football game, and there was. So a I don't know if it was like the pre. I guess it was the pre-show. But who the hell cheerleads in sunglasses? To, to, to be honest, like I live in it's Ireland, it's a cry for help. The concept's a cry for help. <laughs> it's just like, please love me. Yeah, I'm is... wearing sunglasses. Look at me. I'm so different. And then she, she, then she showed like what was underneath her skirt. So um, yeah, it pretty much solidifies your point. To be perfectly honest, um, I don't, can I just as a side note, we'll try not to have too many of these. But as an mm. Irish person, I do not understand why, oh, there's a football game uh, for a bunch of teenagers. Let's have uh, the teenage girls come out wearing, like, not a whole lot of clothes and showing how athletic and flexible they are. That's... I thought you were going to say that being in Ireland, that you don't have a concept of sunglasses. No, I do. And they're very good. <laughs> <laughs> we have sun. It's sunny right now, actually. Um, sure. But yeah, cheerleader. What's that? That's... I I find it really weird. Also, actually, yeah. in uh in Canada, it's not really. I guess depending on where you are, it's not really as prevalent as it is in the states. Like that culture doesn't exist. But we have all the movies and the TV shows, yeah. so they try to sort of emulate it in a way. So we weren't allowed to have cheerleaders. So in high school, we had spirit squads. Oh wow, that's a real yeah. thing outside of wrestling. I did not know that. Oh my god, it was the worst. Um, so it would be all like the the kind of more athletic parts of it, uh, but they weren't really dressed scantily or anything like that. And they did competitions that were outside of sporting events, um, but a lot of the, the sports organizations for high schools uh, in our part of Ontario were kind of against it. So um, we made up for it. We had an awesome drum line, but that was about it. So I don't, I don't get it either. The most Canadian thing I've ever heard, possibly. <laughs> well, I don't know about those cheerleaders, eh? <laughs> They're just, uh, you know what we need? We need some spirit. <laughs> so uh, let's let's just have some spirit and, uh, well, I'll just have uh, a Tim Hortons and it'll be fine. <laughs> some smoked dad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I imagine Canada as a utopia for that, whatever that just was. That That's Canada. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, uh, Sydney bears all at the uh, cheerleading thing. She gets suspended, and she is not one bit disappointed because... Uh, I missed that part of Oh, really? They they were sitting in the little diner thing, and um, V came and sat down, and Sydney was, like, talking up nerves. She was like, oh, I wonder what my next day is going to be. And V was like, oh, you're, I, I thought you'd be really disappointed that you got suspended. And Sydney was like... I, I don't Look know. at my followers. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Look how vapid I am. <laughs> and um, so for help. The, the conversation shifted to everyone being like, hey, V, why do you suck so fucking hard at everything <laughs> that you do? And um, Tommy, who didn't even get a seat at the table. <laughs> that was the best. He's just like <laughs> leaning over the back. <laughs> he was sitting at the table behind them with his back to Emma Roberts' character, V. And he was like leaning around saying like, no, she shouldn't have to do this. We should like her for who she is. You um, see, the, the backrest of the chair symbolizes the divide between the two characters that can never be reconciled. There you have it, folks. 
Yeah. <laughs> their their pelvises can never touch. Yeah, exactly. They can speak to each other, but their pelvises may never touch. They can never be involved in pelvises? any... Pelvi? Pelvi, I believe, yes. We'll say Pelvi. Yeah. <laughs> I have um, a son and name him. One of my favorite parts of the entire movie actually came up at this moment because um, they tried to peer pressure V into going and talking to JP, who's the local jock, really good at football, like really um, attractive, brown-skinned young man. And the idea is that V should have to go and kiss him. But then they're like, no, start out even smaller than that. Just go and talk to JP. And she's like, no, I don't know. And then... um, Tommy is like, oh, she shouldn't have to do that. And then Sydney goes, all right, well, let's take a vote. Everyone votes in favor, and Tommy abstains from voting. Um, so Sydney goes over to JP and talks to him on behalf of V and says, hey, one of my friends uh, finds you attractive. And then he looks over and says, ah, she's not really my type. Um, and then Sydney is like standing up for V, and she says, you're not as hot as you. Oh, no, she goes, you're not nearly as hot as you think you are. And then his friend goes, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a very real moment. It was so good. It reminded to be fair, me, he's, a, he's a good-looking young man. He, he, was, he had a, a, a Bruno Mars quality to him. Where yeah, not he only did look was, like Bruno Mars. Not only was he just an attractive guy, but he looks like he's probably a good guy. Like, you'd probably bring him home to your mother, you know? Yeah, um, well, except for V, because he's not into her. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't because that would be a weird conversation to have with my mother at at this period of my life. Um but yeah, the whole like the, the guy who's such a jock that his friends back up how attractive he is. That that it reminds me of that Backstreet Boys song where the guy goes, "Am I sexual?" and all his friends go, "Yeah." <laughs> that's <laughs> that's basically what that entire scene reminded me of. Um, Can I say that that whole scene in the diner, the dialogue I mean, if I didn't know better about the the people who who made this movie and and who wrote this movie and what they did with Catfish, like they obviously have a pretty good handle on the social media internet culture thing, yeah. which is probably where they got why they're so good with the memes and everything. Yeah. Um, it does really feel like a film made for what old people think millennials are like. Yeah, I I agree, but I I think that that tread is is uh like the same in any other teen movie like the dialogue is always so forced unless it's like an independent movie or an art movie like if it's a blockbuster teen movie that's Mm. pretty much what it's going to be like it's like uh, like at least they're not saying stuff like cowabunga and stuff like that i guess but well but you think of something like kick-ass where the dialogue seemed a lot more authentic yeah but that was a rated r movie right i i guess I don't know if that necessarily has to... It's it's not necessarily about the swearing. It's just the amount of slang that's getting thrown in. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just where where I live, but people never talk like that. Maybe I'm out of touch. Maybe I've gotten old, Elle. I don't know. No, it's the children that are wrong. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I was was starting to feel bad for myself. No, it's definitely the children who are the problem. I think the the thing about this kind of movie is that it's just... Like, it's an open, like, teen movie that's... I mean, 
like I enjoyed the movie, but like let's face it, it it, it is to attract the lowest common denominator of moviegoers. So I guess yeah. like I mean, it's not hoping to win awards for its dialogue or anything. It does not require very much of the viewer. <laughs> yeah, like the, the one thing I will say about a movie when I watch it, it, it it's it's like my main question is not necessarily about the um the aesthetics of it as such but just did it do the thing that it was attempting to do and Mm -hmm. i i think this movie does like it it does it at the sacrifice of better dialogue i think but i can see why the guys who directed it wanted to keep it on such a narrow path because like they're trying to make as much money as possible ultimately and uh it did have a pretty good um box office as well it made more than twice the budget back so I mean, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's before DVD sales and everything. Yeah, like that's a banger as far as it goes. So, um, it's not bad. It definitely was flashy enough. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that was something else that I wanted to point back to the point about um, the way, like the kind of demographic that this is targeting. Uh, it's really clear in the cinematography, which is it's a problem that I'm having a lot more uh, as as time goes on. I guess is that the cuts are getting faster and there's less time being spent on shots. And one of the things that this movie does, particularly in the beginning is show you what's important instead of getting there through any other means. It'll zoom in on the important, uh, not literally zoom, but it'll cut to a close up of anything that's remotely important. Um, and there's a lot of fast cutting, a lot of camera movement, nothing sits still for, quite long enough for the eyes to get bored and i think that's a response to to something that we're seeing a a lot more and more um case in point i'm going to talk about it because i'm super stoked about it uh but when as of where recording this last night the twin peaks revival came back on uh and i watched that and that's uh david lynch obviously mark frost and david lynch wrote it david lynch directs it and I came back and I was talking to my brother about it and I was saying, you know what? There are scenes in this. Like I I think most people would have shut this off in the first 15 minutes if they didn't care about Twin Peaks at all. Because there are scenes that are just like five minutes straight of like the camera in the same position, not moving, nobody speaking, ambient noise, no music. It's like the opposite of what Nerve is, which is that like something that started around the time that the the Bourne movie started coming out where the the cuts are faster, the music is constant, the movement of the camera is constant. That that switch to handheld as opposed to on tripods, where it's not quite, you know, the shaky cam caught on camera footage, but yeah. The movie does some of that where because people are filming the dares with their cell phones and stuff. But uh I think that it takes it's like we are going to show you things instead of wasting time telling them because we just want to get to the next scene yeah it it's something that i think chris nolan basically like took it ran with it and knocked it out of the park um if that's a correct metaphor for whatever sport that's supposed to be but the mm. way he um i think like every christopher nolan movie there are multiple scenes where the dialogue from the next scene begins in the scene that you're watching now. You know what I mean? Like you hear you hear the speech from the next scene and then it flies straight into the next scene with like a 
almost like a wipe transition, but it, you know, it moves along from something mm-hmm. else into some. And um, I, I think it's, I think that's mainly his influence. Like I know you said the Bournes and stuff, but I think Chris Nolan is one guy who managed to make a bunch of four-hour movies and condense them into two and a half hours each. And I, I don't know if that's... Yeah, but I, I feel like there's a difference between visual storytelling and what this is, yeah. which is kind of just like getting... This feels more like getting things out of the way. So it's like, we've shown you the important stuff. We've shown you everything that you need to know to understand the next scene. Okay, are we good? Next scene. I... Um, I... I will say in defense of this movie that I think it kind of has to do that because of how preposterous <laughs> the concept of it is. I mean, I honestly think it's like, don't think about this too much. Just go. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it's because if you stop to think about how ridiculous the entire situation is, then the whole thing falls apart. Like, this is not really a strong plot in a movie. Um, it's it's made as a sort of, a, I, I guess, a commentary on pokemon go but also a commentary on the idea of uh people in crowds like just not having the best ideas when Mm. they come together and and, and like you know stressing the idea of ultimately what every teenage movie does about individualism and um being yourself and not bowing to peer pressure and stuff like that but it, it does it in such a ridiculous setting um which i think we should get into um in Nerve, the rules in the game are that you have to film it on your own camera. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first rule. The third rule is snitches get stitches, and I cannot remember what the second rule is, but obviously it's not that important. Um, so V eventually signs is up. Is it something like if you bail, you fail? Yeah, that's exactly it. Nicely remembered. Something um, like that. So V signs up, and her first dare is to kiss a stranger in a restaurant for a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars, like I would do a lot. Ah, I should stop. <laughs> Where's that dog food? <laughs> um, so she gets Tommy to drive her there. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I feel so bad for him. Yeah, same. But he's just—I I don't know. He's made his bed. Ultimately, he has to lie mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, he's—he's he's doing it to himself. Yeah, he is. Um, so he drives her there, and, and they go to this like this. One thing I'll say about this movie, right? We haven't even—I don't think either of us have actually given an opinion on the movie, right? This is one of the <laughs> most visually slick movies I've seen in years, in terms of the kind of world it created from the modern world, right? This, right. If this movie was made in 1986, it would be the movie Hackers with uh, Angelina Jolie and the guy who plays Shaggy in Scooby-Doo, whose name is Matthew <laughs> Lillard. And I knew that from memory because I'm an absolute hero. Um, but in the movie Hackers, like th- there's a part where it shows them hacking and they're like walking around inside a visual interpretation of a computer and it's cheesy as hell and it's horrible. Whereas this movie actually creates a semi-dystopic, futuristic, technicolor landscape where everything is drenched in neon and yet it seems so natural and normal. Like it's the world that you know and that we all live in. It's just digital in some it's like way. If you, it's like if you took contemporary modern uh new york and then just bathed it in the 80s yeah it's 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 like cyberpunk but it's modern like it's not tackier. i was gonna say that like one of the weird things about it it's like this millennial dare or dare game uh with like the soundtrack of a made for tv 
Blade Runner sequel that never was. It's so strange. There, I mean, there, there's definitely like modern music in there as well. Um, but then there's like this like weird '80s like synth that sounds vaguely reminiscent of you know some sort of like sci-fi, and it it hits like a nice tone where it's like okay, I'm I'm not a fan of the editing, but the actual shots and the lighting in particular are are quite beautiful yeah i i think it had i think it had stunning like lighting and, and use of color and stuff and mm. it's there's um i i guess we should talk about the scene like they go into this diner and it is lit up like a like a cyberpunk utopia in there it's neon lights everywhere and it's like it's like an 80s diner but it's it's drenched in like in like 1999 technicolor kind of idea oh it's, yeah it's very very beautiful and um V walks, she looks for a guy to kiss, she eventually sees a guy with a book right in front of his face, and it's called The Lighthouse, and it's her favorite book, because, mm. um, which is which is a really neat nod to, um, like, the algorithms and the way that they know everything about you, the cookies, the way they sell you ads based on your browsing history and stuff. Right. Um, so, it also ties into the end with the uh, Statue of Liberty scene. Oh, yeah, and also it's uh, something else I was going to say. Anyway. It's whatever it's whatever you want most, El. Yeah, exactly. And they, so, so the guy's reading the book The Lighthouse, yeah. which turns out to be like her favorite book. Yeah, and it's Dave Franco and he's like, "Oh, tell me they get to the lighthouse in the end. Look how dreamy I am." <laughs> <laughs> and um <clears throat> so she decides to kiss him and then she goes and sits back down and then he gets up and leaves and then Anything You Want by Roy Orbison comes on, and he is dancing around the diner, singing it, um, mm-hmm. and eventually he gets a chorus from everyone else in the diner, who is so impressed by what he does. Um, that... Just the whole, like, running up onto a chair and riding it down as it falls. Yeah, have you ever tried to Which do I that? I feel like if I ever tried to do that, I would end up in the hospital. It's really, really hard, and I've seen it done. It looks done so on... easy, though, It Alan. looks like it the looks simplest so thing ever, but it is not. It, it makes is... it look simple. It is so difficult to do. Um, but yeah, he does that, and then he's all like oh look how look how charming i am you didn't see that coming did you you thought i was just some guy but no i'm actually the heartthrob in this movie and this is my entrance scene and boy was it emphatic um so it turns out he had to do that for a dare and she's like oh you won your dare and he's like oh yours was a dare too and then they both realize that they're both playing nerve and dave franco Mm -hmm. is like all right i gotta go and then uh v's phone lights up it's the nerve watchers um, we, we find out that V stands for Venus. That's right, the Greek goddess. Which never really of... gets brought up again. Yeah. There's a lot of threads in this movie that just kind of get like put there and then let go. My uh, thinking behind that is that they're references to the book that they don't have to flesh out, but they're there to please the readers of the book. That's, oh, maybe. That's what I think, anyway. Um, but uh, in V's phone says go with him to the city and it's for some ridiculous amount it's like five hundred dollars or something like that no 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 they haven't gotten to five it's like 250 or something the oh, okay. five hundred dollars is the next dare oh right okay um that's the one that i was saying was like ridiculous how much money it was for what the dare is it's yeah, really dumb yeah but it, it makes sense with what it leads to i get what the consequence of it is yeah but like because this stuff is all being voted on in real time like what i don't i guess we don't know how the game yeah. works from 
character which, perspective. Which really works in the writer's favor, I think. Because <laughs> they can kind of do whatever. It's like, oh, magic words appear on the phone and it tells them to do this. Yeah. But like, I like how it says, like, go to this place, but that's not the dare. It's like they have to go to that place and be in that place and then the dare gets accepted. But in some scenes, they have a time limit to get to the place. So when she goes to the diner, she apparently only has 15 minutes to get to the diner to get her first dare. Yeah. Yeah, but then in other scenes, it's like, get to this place, and there's no timer. Maybe so. they put a timer on it based on how... Proximity? Like, yeah, based on either proximity or, like, traffic at the time or, you know, other variables <laughs> like that. I don't Use know. the Google Maps. Yeah, this is very possible. Um, but the she agrees to go to the city with him, and the scene in the car park where his neon bike is parked under these teal uh, cylindrical neon lights... And they're mm. juxtaposed by orange streetlights on the outside that sort of glowing in over the over the bushes, turning everything. colors. Oh, oh my! So, but I I absolutely it's love so that type of thing. Like I'm just the the headlight on his bike has an orange glow, which contrasts with the blue neon that's laced throughout the bike. And like they do this to keep you focused, but also to show you the contrast. It, it's the idea of for anyone who doesn't know, like. Every single movie in the last, I don't know, 10 years has been blue and orange because they're on opposite ends of the color wheel. And it's, it's some like pseudoscience to do with. It's your... one of the most attractive uh, complementary color pairings. Yeah. And you're like you focus on it an awful lot more. Um, mm. but I, I feel like in this movie, they just they did it in such a just a visually stunning way. I, I, I can't get enough of looking at this movie like um but yeah, they. Uh... I almost wish that they had just made like a cooler movie with the same lighting and film crew. Yeah, <laughs> but, but there are <laughs> the, some. The movie's not bad. Well, we, we didn't really get into like wh- how good the movie is or whatever. Like, yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's. I agree with kind of the Rotten Tomato score that has it sitting at. You said a six point six. Yeah, six six percent. Yeah, it's like it's okay. The the plot and everything. There are things about the movie that are actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and I went in thinking it was going to be garbage, but I there were parts of it that I enjoyed. And in the end, I'm like, you know, if it was on TV and it already started and I didn't have anything better to do, <laughs> I yeah. might watch. Should we skip ahead a little bit? We don't need to describe every single thing that happens in the movie, do we? Uh, well, I think we should get the, the key point. So the next part is that they get dared uh, to go in to the to the building. Uh, which turns out to be a huge department store. Yeah. And she gets dared $500 to try on a dress. Now, it is a, a couture dress that's worth six grand. Yeah, but it doesn't look like it's worth six grand. No, it doesn't. <laughs> whatever, you can go in and it's like a car. You can try whatever the hell you want. I know. Like, but... I don't even know why she felt so bad about going up there and being like, can I try on this dress? I like... think it's because the guy that she asked was just the biggest fucking dickhead I've ever seen in any movie He also ever. seemed like he was a watcher, though. Because he's like, mm, but then he's like, it's up on this floor. Ooh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. But he I definitely... Know, I, got, I got the impression he was in on it. I, I thought that he would be like way too upper echelon snobby to even own... 
a phone. A cell phone. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's one of those guys who just stands around in their in yeah. their uh, their sports coats with the with the elbow pads and their and their corduroys and they got they're drinking tea out of a thermos with their with their black rim glasses with no lenses. And he has weird wrist jewelry where it's not quite a watch but it's too big to be a bracelet and you're like what the hell is that thing <laughs> supposed to be? And he's one of those guys. You got to watch out for them. Um so yeah, she tries on the dress and then uh <laughs> which the contrast of the really shiny green couture dress and her used Adidas classics is uh, yeah. is pretty cool. Um, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I quite enjoyed and that. And th- it turns out that the guy's in there as well. His name's Liam. Or his screen name is Liam. Uh, and he's there as well, and he's trying on some, I don't know, was that you like an You mean Dave Franco? It's Ian, yeah. I thought. Ian. Ian. Sorry, I don't know why I said Liam. Ian, it whatever. It is a very similar... I mean, literally, Close you enough. just add one other letter and it becomes that. So. <laughs> um, so Ian's there. He's got like a... I don't I don't know what... Armani... Uh, Some shitty on. new money looking suit that yeah. a, a punk would wear. <laughs> well, it looked good on him. Yeah. Um, so he's there and then they end up getting dared to leave. Yeah. And they have this big discussion about it she doesn't want to shoplift and he's like, well, but we got to do the dare. And then they look at each other and she's like, Hey, it just says we have to leave the store. Their clothes got stolen by the way. By Michelle oh yeah. That's, Kelly. that's probably important. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. people will be like, why didn't they just put their clothes back on? Yeah, no, their clothes get stolen and then they have to leave the store. And she realizes that the dare just says to leave the store. It doesn't say anything about shoplifting. Yeah. So they strip. Yeah. By and the way, they're... when she is trying on the dress and she's in like her bra and underwear and um, the phone is down on the ground looking up at her, if you read the little chat room thing, oh, yeah. it's the most internet thing ever. It's uh, <laughs> One line is like, um, oh, oh, she actually looks uh, okay or something. And another one is like, she actually looks, or this is her best angle. And then the next line is, she's really skinny. And then the next one is, vegans full stop <laughs> with no context it just wasn't says, one of them like i'd hit that also yeah yeah one of them said i'd hit that yeah vegans <laughs> okay <Yep. laughs> thanks for the input <laughs> that is very the internet yeah it is it's classic i did i did like that shot of like looking through the phone like you're behind the screen i thought that was super cool yeah that was pretty neat. Um, yeah, and they did that several times throughout the movie. And and you <laughs> may have noticed that every time they show it from there, the screen becomes the touch screen. Right. Even when it's a computer. Like, I mean, my computer right now is a touch screen. So it, it's not unusual for that to be the case. But I thought it was interesting that they didn't show the mouse arrow thing. They just made it a touch screen just to sort of, yeah. um, sort of show that we're all becoming a smartphone. Yes, one big smartphone. <laughs> one big smartphone. Um, so uh, turns out not so smart. Yes, <laughs> that's the ultimate lesson. So um, they run naked out of there. Yeah, uh, and when they make it outside, it turns out that the uh, clothes were bought for them by the watchers, and they get to wear them, and that's pretty cool. For the rest of the movie, basically. Pretty much. Um, is it from here that leads into the first like really trilling scene in the movie? Yeah, this is where it starts to actually uh, get 
the, the dares have been cute. Like this was the most the the whole uh, scene in the department store was probably the most charming part of the movie because yeah. that whole thing where they decide to strip down and leave without the clothes and they have to run through it was it was cute yeah. and it was fun. You know that was the point where I was like, you know, despite my best intentions, I'm starting to like this movie a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so they. Yeah, the next dare is where it starts to get really interesting because uh, a guy shows up. I I think it was, was it the 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 friend? Yeah, it was Machine Gun Kelly. It was Machine Gun Kelly. His yeah. name is Ty, I think. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> machine Gun Ty. Yeah. So Machine Gun Ty, Machine Ty comes up, <laughs> uh, and he has like a sticker, and he gets uh, V to hold it, and he takes a picture, and then the dare is apparently that. Uh, Ian has to put this sticker over his uh, helmet, over, over his helmet visor, so that he can't see, and he has to reach uh, sixty miles per hour. Yeah. Um, on. It was at his this, motorcycle. It was at this point that I realized that Dave Franco is definitely a psychopath because, yeah, not only was he going to do it, but he insisted that V do it with him. Which is just not really a thing you would do on a first date, like in my opinion, where I come from. Um, but he needs a he needs a navigator. Yeah, that's right. Um, just I, I mean, how? Well, he's probably like five years older than her or something, and he's like, yeah, I, I want to, I want this schoolgirl to come on this motorbike with me while I blindly drive at sixty miles an hour in New York City. L, his abs were cold. He needed someone to wrap their arms around him while he drove down the street blindfolded. That is, is that too much to ask? True. And when you put Why it like that, why was he shredded? It's, it's a movie. They're like <laughs> they're like the two most like attractive people in the entire building, and they have like unreal bodies, and they're both like, "Oh, look how nervous like, we are with her." Oh, uh, she's not popular, and he's a yeah. renegade. It's like, give me a break. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Like, it is absolutely ridiculous. Even uh, that was it. Todd, the the friend zone friend, um, Tommy. Tommy, yeah, Tommy. Uh, even he is like a good looking guy that they just frumped up a little bit. He he is like a hundred times more attractive than I could ever hope to be, and he's the friend zone nerd who surfs the dark web. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> movies, man. They are just a whole nother world. Um, I spend a lot of time on the dark web. <laughs> um. So they they do this driving thing, and to be honest, this scene is absolutely awesome. It's a pretty cool scene. Yeah, it's really cool, it, and it's again the juxtaposition of the um, the blue neon bike tearing through these really like brightly lit orange streets, and um, I, the way they the way they did it was so cool. I thought like the bike starts out so shaky, and they nearly hit the taxi, and the taxi driver who is just the most um, I don't even know the word, but just the most straight talking man in the world. He's like, you have a sticker on your helmet. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I know he's like, I know. Thanks. Great observation. Yeah. That's literally what he says. He goes, yeah, thanks. And then Emma Roberts is like, sorry about that. Um, I love how much I interchange the uh, character name and the actor name with uh, mm. every single thing in the world that I talk about all the time. Um, <laughs> so yeah. You know what you're saying. It, yeah. And eventually they come up with this system where she, like leans for him like she has her arms around him and she leans and he judges the momentum of like the way she's swaying and then drives the bike accordingly 
And I mm. thought that was so cool. And like every light was green along the way, and I was like, oh it's well, symbolic, this is... man. Like they're they're <laughs> yeah. just so in sync, you know. Exactly. They're like really good team. But it was so cool when, like, I actually popped a little bit when she when <laughs> he was like, what what color is it? What color is it? And like you can quite clearly see the orange glowing through his visor, and uh, and she's like. It's green, and she puts her hand on the throttle and just pulls it back, and then they both nearly die. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like such a close call that it's actually like I got a little frightened. Myself. Like I've driven motorbikes before, so I, I think that might be why I love the swaying thing so much because like that would totally work. Like that that is actually oh, yeah, realistic. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's it's. That's uh, how you do most of your steering on a bike. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it would be a really cool like little thing to try, but obviously don't don't do that ever. yeah don't don't do that yeah um so yeah and and they eventually make it to like hordes of cheering onlookers who are watching on their phones and in person which is which i guess where we should also uh, cut in that um the the friend why am i forgetting all of their names now sydney sydney she's at this party with the with all of the jocks and everybody yeah and Everybody has started streaming V's uh, nerve stream. Yeah, she's in the top So they're all watching. She's like, yeah. I think at that point she's like top five. Yeah. And it's obvious that Sid is really jealous. It's like super bothering her because she's like, she doesn't even play this game. Ah." She doesn't even go outside. Ah." (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that party's going on. And then somehow their entire night ends up getting streamed even though there's no one in the distance watching that was really weird that scene at the carousel where like you can hear every piece of audio and it's quite Mm. clearly something that they're watching from a distance yet there's nobody recording it and how could they well remember when they're on the carousel these uh girls show up and they're filming and he's like oh paparazzi or something like that yeah yeah so like maybe the idea is like that those people didn't actually leave but i think it was that it was actually streaming through her phone yeah, and maybe they just showed it from a distance at the party for like a stylistic choice, like they did with the touchscreen computer thing. Even though you know it's not a touchscreen, I don't know. Well, v ends up telling uh, Dave Franco all about how Sydney is a piece of shit, <laughs> <laughs> terrible friend. Um, yeah, she and just she's, like tired of being her lackey. Yeah, her friend of presumably over 10 years or whatever, and she, some fucking guy that she meets for the first time, and she's like, oh, my best friend is such a cunt, I hate everything about her. We've all had those moments. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the thing when it's, like, recorded, though. Yeah. And then he gets dared to bring her to the party to get them to fight. But he doesn't, he doesn't let on. He goes, hey, what do you say we go to this party? Show off your tattoo. We skipped. The, we skipped the tattoo scene. They went and got a tattoo. Oh yeah. Well, what was she singing? Oh uh, yeah. Wu Tang. Wu Tang. She was singing Wu Tang. That part was actually kind of fun too. It was. I really it... liked the tattoo artist. He was so into it. He was awesome. But here's what I have to say. Um, as, as a Wu Tang fan, there is just no fucking way that Emma Roberts has ever. I, mean, I guarantee you, she still thinks that Wu Tang is like a, a rapper. Like a guy, an up an up and coming rapper from like New York. Like, there's no <laughs> way that she has any idea. She definitely like had to learn all those lines, and it was definitely a song that she heard for the first time. And while the scene was neat, that it just was completely unbelievable that this, you know, well off white girl. It's I don't know. What can I say, L? Vegans. Yeah, vegans. That's right. Um, 
But when they walk into the tattoo parlor, the first like little shop, which is appears to be some kind of electronics shop or something like that, it's got like stunning use of color again. It's all all the walls mm. are in these uh, glass um, glass cupboards where you can see. I, I guess it's like a jewelry shop, but like a cheap jewelry shop. Um, and all all the walls are covered in this. The walls and the ceiling and even the floor, I think, are covered in this teal neon glow and then they but it's it's like something out of alice in wonderland except slapped with a digital sign or something i don't know um it's like a steampunk christmas decoration i don't know Um, (laughs) and then like they go into this like gorgeous trashy vibe in the uh in the tattoo parlor where everything is a mix of green and red uh, two other contrasting colors that are always associated with cheap tattoos as well. And, Do you get um, the feeling like uh, sometimes there's these movies that are new properties and they don't really have a name behind it and what it, for whatever reason the studio, so this is Lionsgate, right? They would be like, Mm, this movie would sell a lot better if it had an established brand behind it. They could have turned this into a Watch Dogs movie, changing very few things. Yeah, I guess so. Like there and there's a lot of that same vibe from Watch Dogs too with the neon and and that like sort of 80s feel. Yeah, I guess so, it's it's like one of the few ways that you can uncheesily um, bring in a, a sort of a cyberpunk world. I, I guess like it it sort of enhances. The hackers would have made more sense. Yeah, well, it's like it's like it enhances the um, implications of technology and mm. like the vastness of technology without without the people being in gigantic computers and looking for mainframes and you know all of that shit so um i I guess it's just one of the few ways that directors have found a way to do that like to Mm. inhabit a an actual breathing technological metropolis i don't know um the the tattoo she gets a tattoo of a lighthouse that james franco uh that dave franco draws and uh she doesn't have to have any like protective coating on the tattoo and it's pretty much a tattoo uh straight away after five minutes it doesn't bleed doesn't have to be washed she doesn't bitch about it for the rest of the movie she's like oh this is i'm having a lot of fun but this is really itchy and it hurts yeah there's no it doesn't flake they didn't bandage it or anything yeah she doesn't have to put it they didn't give her the like tattoo butter or whatever yeah the gel yeah didn't didn't have to do any of that so um as a guy who has a lot of tattoos that was bullshit quite frankly and most unrealistic part of the movie yeah it was completely and i wanted my money (laughs) back at that point but um it was on Netflix, so I, I couldn't I couldn't get it back. Um, but yeah, so they then they went to the party, and I I actually thought the scene where they entered the party was really cool, with like everyone cheering them as they came in. Can you? She gets followers way too quickly, and we can say this as people who podcast and who have done things online where we realize what it actually means to to actually gain followers and something, yeah. but. She got followers way too fast. Now, it does make sense. Like, she hooks up with uh, the Ian guy, and they're a pair. And Ian is apparently, like, internet famous on this game from the year. So, like, I sort of get it. But even then, uh, her popularity goes up way too fast out of nowhere. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I will defend the movie with (laughs) three words. 
Alex from Target. Like, that yeah. motherfucker is verified on Twitter because of, like, one photograph that, like, overnight he got, like, a million followers or whatever it was. That's true. Um, That's true. And All that right, was, you're winning me over. That was for doing nothing. Like, yeah. imagine he, he was eating dog food. He also did Dave Franco's abs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next to him. Or Emma Roberts's. I will be honest. I find her just almost sexless. So, I uh, really. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I just. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't do it for me at all. I'm not really that into blonde women though. Or you know, women that are playing teenagers in movies. Apart from yeah. Vanessa Hudgens, who is just amazing in every way, and would have been better in this movie, and would have been better in all movies. As all the characters. I um, think that uh, a better view would have been, uh, I don't know, Meryl Streep. <laughs> Imagine how fucking weird that would be. It'd be like... <laughs> Juliette Lewis is cast as Meryl Streep's mother. <laughs> and it's just like they play it straight, like she's supposed yeah. to be in high school. Yeah. That's, that's... Something tells me Dave Franco would be down with that. Yeah, definitely. And, and, like, that's not a million miles away from... The, you know, the, the girl who plays Sydney, Emily Mead? She's 28 years old. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Do you think that Dave Franco is actually James Franco wearing the disguise of a younger man so that he can hook up with even younger women? Nah, because James Franco leaves a really distinctive slime trail everywhere he goes. Right, right. And I didn't see I any forgot about the ectoplasm. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> just saying Dave Franco's uh, world famous ectoplasm <laughs> screen just like, left behind him that's how they always find him they always know it's him It's uh, James Franco is just one of those guys that like he's definitely had sex with a girl that he didn't know how old she was and it didn't bother him and he didn't think to ask until like the next morning but he didn't I don't he think didn't... he thought to ask <laughs> yeah oh man I, I, don't, I don't know that James Franco thinks about much that he does yeah, I'd say especially when you look at some of his choices for movies, where it's like, oh, you're in this movie where you're nominated for an Oscar. Oh, you're in this movie where you're just making some money. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's troubling. He's a troubled young man. Does he still teach drama at that university? I don't know. Despite all that's happened, <laughs> you would think he wouldn't be allowed to, right? I don't know if he's tenured. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Um, it's very difficult. The star power brings people in. That is true. If you're as famous as him, you can probably do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, uh, that's what Donald Trump said. Yeah. <laughs> when you're a star, they let you do it. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, where, where were we? they're at the party. They're they at the... Their... Oh, and before they get to the party, uh, um, Sydney gets oh, – she wants, like, a really serious dare because she wants to, to prove that she's better than V. And she gets dared to walk this ladder between uh, they they lay out a like a, a ladder between uh, the the these two buildings that I guess are connected. Yeah, two skyscrapers. From from one window to another window, uh, and she has to walk across it. Yeah, it's it's and pointed out earlier in the movie that she's afraid of heights. Um, yeah. So the the watchers are like, let's get her high as fuck. And I was like, ooh, this movie's about to get real interesting. But they meant high in like the actual literal way. Um, yeah. It's what would you say that was like twenty, thirty stories in the air, maybe? Yeah, but I love how like they treated the scene like it was even more dramatic than the motorcycle scene that we had just seen. Yeah, I think they did and a really was, good job of that too. But these was so much more dangerous. I know, <laughs> was, yeah. 
this one got so much attention as if like, oh yeah, she's gonna walk across this this thing. There was but, another oof. thing about it that made no sense, right? When she did the cheerleader thing, when where she flashed, um, mm-hmm. her friend was holding the phone for her, right? Yeah. But in this, so one, why wouldn't she get someone to hold? There yeah. was that one guy who was just like, bro, she has to film it herself. You got to stand up. You got to finish the dare. And he just wouldn't shut up. Yeah. And I, I actually think that he really helped to add to the tension. Like, I, I felt like I was properly able to empathize with Sydney. Because oh, my God. I wanted to punch him. So I, I was so annoyed that, like, it, it just it like unsettled me. Like, I was just yeah. I've known people like that, though. That was like so accurate. Yeah, um, I thought so, too. Yeah. Just like that one douchebang who's just like, bro, you got to finish this. She's got to finish the dare. And everybody's like, shut up. And she's he's like, I, she's got to finish the dare. Yeah. It's like he had he wasn't processing what anybody else was saying. He yeah. was just on this like broken record, <laughs> yeah. slightly intoxicated. Like, she's got to do it. She's got to do it. Everybody. She's got to do it. You got to hold up your phone, hold up your phone. And he wouldn't shut up. And it was, it, it did add to the tension a lot, but it was also freaking annoying. Yeah. So. S- Sydney freaked out. She was like, shut up, shut up, shut the fuck up. But that didn't happen, but she was very angry. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she failed. She fell. Yeah, off she that bailed. Thing. No, yeah, she bailed. She she turned around and, and got back inside, and everyone was like, like upset for her, but also relieved. And it was kind of this stunned silence. And then, um, and that's where we get the montage of like the the people failing, and it's like bad. Like one guy almost gets hit by a train. And... Oh yeah. That that's was, where like, the movie starts to be like some of these dares. They're not no bueno. That was Machine Gun Kelly who did the train thing, I think. No, he was the one who actually he did his dare. But there was a guy jumping across subway oh, track. Oh, there was, yeah. And like gets hit, and everybody's like, "Quick, help him up, help him up!" And you get the idea that there's like a train that's gonna come soon if he didn't get up. Like that could have been bad. Yeah. Uh, and there were two guys who jumped across a fire at the same time and ended up falling into the fire. That was funny. That was funny, but it was also like, ooh, I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, there was another part that we missed that wasn't really that important, but um, Ty- uh, Tyler, the Cr- Machine Gun Kelly meets um, Sydney, and then JP comes in and is like, I don't know, upset for some reason, and he calls <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly Mad Max because Machine Gun Kelly is outrageously dressed. He's dressed like Mad Max. Yeah, like he looks like a fucking idiot. And then when he goes to leave, he's like, what, what does he even say? He's like, oh, hey, captain of the team. Ooh. And he does some weird like facial expressions to all the jocks. And it's really yeah. weird. And it, it really does actually just make me go back on the jocks side of things and just be like, oh, this fucking I think weird. he was pissed because it was his party and this guy did not know anybody there. He just showed up and he was talking to... This girl in that oh, room. Oh, right. Yeah, maybe it was that, yeah. He's, yeah. Hey, Mad Max, why don't you see yourself out of here? Um, so, I mean, that was a funny little part. It, that's also one of those threads that, like, the movie just never... Because he goes there to be like, hey, you're popular, I'm popular, we should team up, it's working out for your friend. And she's just like, no. And he's like, call me. And then she fails her yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And that never ends up becoming a, a, a deal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, that was... I don't know. Some there were some points in this movie where I'm like, how many writers did this movie have? Was was there any point where like the the movie got like a rewrite or anything? Nope, just the one writer. Yeah, it must so. be to pay some fan service to the book. Maybe so that's the only logical explanation. 
Don't know enough about the book. Yeah, no, I know nothing about it. Um, so V and Sydney come to blows. Uh, I, I guess before that, Sydney and Ian have a falling out because Tommy turns up and is like, "Yo, check out all this shit I learned when I got my ticket to Aruba on the dark web, and I typed in some <laughs> fucking shit into my phone and downloaded a backup Spent server a to process the, the motherboard." <laughs> yeah. Um, so he found out that Ian was in fact uh, a character with a shady dark history that involves the death of a friend of his in Seattle no doubt when he fell off a giant structure um, mm. and he found out that Ian's dare was to bring her to the party and she was like oh I thought that was a spontaneous thing we decided to do together to show off my tattoo and uh, Ian was like oh look you don't understand and then uh, v got super pissed off. Uh, she had a fight with Sydney because of all the stuff that she said about her, which was fair mm. enough on Sydney's part, really. And then V walked across that ladder like it was nothing. Um, then she went outside and began snitching, uh, which led. Yeah, she gets she gets mad at uh, Dave Franco yeah. and is like, uh, "No, this, this game is bad. Like people get hurt. This isn't fun. This is dangerous. I'm gonna go tell this cop." And the cop, to be fair, was like. Yeah, that's kind of what it is like talking to a cop sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> where the cop is like, are they doing anything illegal? And she's like, well, n- no, but somebody could die. And they were like, are those people playing? <laughs> it was the most cop response. Like, he did not want to. use like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, yeah. leave me alone. He basically said, eh, he was just missing the donut. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So then... I, I have to admit my memory of the movie is not really that clear from here, but she wakes up in some kind of fucking container or something like, like that. They're like, snitch, snitch, snitch. And then um, how does she get captured? Oh, you know what it is? It's that Machine Gun Kelly literally punches her in the face. Oh, yeah. Knocks her yeah. unconscious. Um, and then she, right. she wakes up inside of a... Uh... Punches her in the cheekbone. Yeah. Well, it was nice of him not to, like, break her... No nose or anything, but Before he I'm said not it, sure that you can knock somebody out by punching them in the cheekbone. In Hollywood, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. When you're a star, they let you do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess, I, I think he must have been dared to do it, though, because he comes up and says, I'm really sorry, but I need to win this. Um, and, like, we do learn that him and Dave Franco were both finalists in that one that fucked up that other guy's life when it killed him. And uh, they both have, like, fucked up backgrounds and they both need the money because their families are in fucked up situations or something along those lines. Um, yeah. So she wakes up inside the container and then uh, she gets told what to do and where to go from there. And the movie completely kind of lost me around this point. yeah this is where it's like they didn't really know how to end it where they're like we know we said that there was just players and um watchers but there's actually a third category and yeah. they're prisoners yeah prisoners yeah. of the game we own you and it's also we didn't bring this up but it's hilarious that she is like in a, her senior year i guess in high school and she has a joint bank account with her mother yeah. So her mom's freaking out because she sees all this money being added and then losing all of their money. Like they have no money because the game has taken over all of their social media and everything and is ruining their lives. I, I thought that was kind of sweet, though, that she still has the bank account with her mother because it shows how like she's like she's a woman who wants to go to an arts college like far away. But 
she still totally is like owned by her mother and like she still has a bank account with her like you know she is not independent at all and it's made very clear in the movie like that she's a wallflower you know she's not well a... it's not even like really her like her choice it seems like her mom is just super controlling and and yeah. it's like, you get the impression that it's it's not that she doesn't want her own bank account it's that like her mom didn't let her get her own bank account which is even more I, I think it, I think there's a passiveness to both of it. Like the mother is like, oh well, you can just stay here. I want to be with you. And then she's like, yeah, I, I could do that, and I could do this as well. And the mother's like, are you sure that won't be a problem? So I think well, the implication is that the mom is still dealing with the loss of the son. Yeah. And like that's why she doesn't want to leave, but she does want to leave, yeah. but she can't because like she feels like she has to be there to support her mom, and that's why her mom has that weird reaction when she was like. Um, you know, like maybe I, we could get rid of the stuff from my brother's room and like, uh, turn it into an Airbnb or something. And the mom's just like, no, no, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. And she has like this totally weird reaction and you find out later it's cause the brother died. Right. Yeah. 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 That's true. I, I did sort of get the impression though, that, um, V was There's a bit of a codependency thing, right? Yeah. So it, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. both of them. Um, I, I, the, there's a part where like. Sydney and V sort of uh, they reconcile their differences and understand that they're friends and will always be there for each other and stuff. Um, yeah, and like they... that, that comes right after Ian shows up when she makes it out of the crate because they let her know about like she's a prisoner, which apparently being a prisoner gets you automatically qualified for the finals. Which yeah. how does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, like, wouldn't you just snitch right away and then be in the final and then kick ass in the final? The only thing I can think of there is that the people. The watchers were like, well, she needs to be punished, but also she's entertaining and has this many followers, so maybe we should put her in the final, but make it a really shit thing, so that, yeah. like, either way, something, it's gonna, it's gonna reach some kind of climax. Well, Ian shows up, explains to her that he is a prisoner of the game as well, because when his friend, it, he bailed on hanging, from hang, he had to hang from a crane, and uh, Machine... Machine Kelly, is that what we were calling him? Machine Ty, I think we were... Machine Ty. Ty Machine. That was it. Ty Machine. So it's tied to go is... Uh, he bails also, and then like this one kid who was their friend decides to hang from it, and he hangs longer than he's supposed to, and he can't get up, and he falls off the crane and he dies. Hmm. Uh, and then after that, um, Dave Franco and Tied to go go downstairs and snitch to the police and they try to get people to shut it down, but nobody believes them. And then they become prisoners of the game. So that's yeah. why they're both in the game. And that's why tied to go really wants to win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when there's, there's like a scene where Tommy and Sydney are in, are in a car and, mm. um, V phones them and like Tommy answers and goes, hello. And then she goes, Hey guys, I'm, and I was like, how the fuck does she know that the two of them are in the... Why is she saying, hey, guys? Yeah, that's a good point. That was really stupid. <laughs> like, how can you fuck uh, that up? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I, the, the ending was... Do you want to Do you want to take well, us into the ending? Okay, so uh, we'll, like, quick rock a rocket to the ending. So, um, basically, Dave Franco is like, hey... Uh, I, they basically ruined my life and that's why I have to win. But that's also why tied to go has to win. Um, but what I want to do is a dare that'll be so badass that it'll knock him out of second. 
and yeah. then it will just be me and you and then I'll let you win in the final because you are a good person like you didn't deserve this like I dragged you into this and she's like oh there has to be another way and he's like there is no other way and he leaves and so his dare ends up being to recreate the dare uh, that he failed the year before and he has to hang from the crane but he has to do it one handed so he does it and it's no big deal and that's where the drones start coming in and suddenly there's drones everywhere yeah uh, because apparently millennials love drones, am I right? Well, we do. I've got yeah, okay. six of them in my <laughs> That's room. True. Drones are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah they're pretty badass. <laughs> and uh, so they're flying around everywhere filming him, um, which is nonsense because he has to film himself also. Um, and so he gets down from that. So Machine Gun Kelly or Tide to Go or whatever we're calling him is out of the game. Uh, and then uh, V is getting her friends to go and uh, do something, some secret mission that we're not privy to because it's important at the end. Um, And they go to do that. And apparently it's a success, but we don't know what it is. And then they both have to make their way to Liberty Island, uh, which is where the Statue of Liberty is. Uh, And they go two separate ways. Suddenly out of nowhere, V isn't in the dress anymore. She just found clothes and there's no explanation as to like how and why she has these other clothes that made the sweatshirt's kind of big. So it's like, Oh, she just like stole somebody's clothes or whatever. But like the tights that she's wearing fit her perfectly. What I thought it, it was, was that they were in the boot of the car. Oh, like, maybe it wouldn't surprise me if, um, she made Tommy go to her house and like, find a change of clothes or something like that. Tommy, oh my god, can you go to my house and get me some clothes? <laughs> sure thing, babe, I'll do anything for you. <laughs> Don't ever call me babe again. I would do anything <laughs> for love. Um, anyway, so she ends up getting there, and so does uh, Dave Franco, and suddenly there's like a million people at this place. And they which all is have Guy Fox masks. And they all have Guy Fox masks and stuff, which doesn't make any sense. Because, like, it's a thing you can watch on the... The whole point is to watch it on the internet. So why is everybody watching this live? Yeah. I, I, did they sell tickets? How does that work? Um, so it's highly unlikely that there could be that many people on Liberty Island at night without authorities knowing about it. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. This isn't X-Men, right? This is just normal people somehow getting to Liberty Island. Unless the nerve game took over the ferries and everything that goes there because as far as i know there's no road to liberty island you have to get there by ferry i might be wrong about that but i'm pretty sure that's the way it is i think that's how islands look yeah well when Uh, i imagine it in my head there's no road (laughs) that that goes along the ocean so well unless you're jesus christ of course our lord and savior who can try he can like teleport across water that's what the bible says (laughs) and then there's uh there's even more drones and the their ticket to get in was they have a gun. They they were given a gun. Yeah. And their dare is that the first one to shoot the other person wins. And he's like, just shoot me in the shoulder, which is dumb because that's so so much closer to like actual organs that matter than like shooting him in the in the leg. Yeah. Where it, like really she just has to shoot him so she could just get pretty close and graze him like it doesn't 
anyway, that doesn't matter. So he's like, shoot me. And she's like, I can't, I can't. And he's like, just shoot me. And he, she's like, I won't do it. And she throws her gun away. And then Tide to Go jumps down with a mask on. He unzips it. And he's like, are you not entertained? Yeah. And it turns into the Coliseum. And uh, he's like, who wants me to shoot her? And then uh, Dave Franco's like, don't do it, Ty. Don't do it. We used to be friends, remember? Uh, and then he's like, I'm going to kill her. And she's like, uh, this is where like the movie really loses me. Yeah, she's just her like the morals of nerve. Oh, where she's my like, God. Do you think this takes nerve? No. <laughs> I then hate take off movie... your masks oh my exactly. god I hate it when movies work in the title of the movie yeah. in an inorganic way where it's like nobody would say that and, oh, no. like was she thinking she was being really clever in the moment being like oh, I bet it'd be really clever they'll really get me and what I'm saying if I if I work the title of this game into what I'm saying you think but this she takes nerve like, and everyone goes ah and then uh, there's, like, a vote on whether uh, he should shoot her or not. And, like, some people vote no, but a lot of people vote yes. Yeah. And then it turns into yes. And uh, at this, at the same time that all this is happening, uh, Tommy? Is it Tommy? Tommy, yeah, and his black hacker friend girl. Yeah, the, the hacker queen who yeah. got introduced very loosely, and then it turns out that she runs that whole operation. Which which um, is so blatantly like, all right, we, we have like a lead hacker person that's in the movie for like five minutes. Um, let's make it a black girl. Let's just fill up that quota. Well, it was like the captain of the of the football team. It's like, sure, they're like, like they're not like janitors or something stupid. Yeah, like, yeah. They have important roles, and like the movie wouldn't work necessarily without them, but especially the hacker. But at the same time, it's like you couldn't have made like the main character not white. No way. No, it has <laughs> and, to be. And especially being related to um, uh, what's her face. Um, why am I Julia using Roberts. names? Julia, especially being related to Julia Roberts, like that makes you whiter than white. Yeah, yeah. Like, like at least Dave Franco like has some. What, is he like Italian or or Greek or something in his background? But like being related to julia roberts auto automatically makes you the whitest person in this cast so people are gonna get mad that we're like in favor of uh like just just putting black people in for the sake of it i'm saying that i'm white, saying that's what they did i'm saying a white girl rapping wu-tang is just not good like make it a <laughs> black girl like put I mean the... it is accurate yeah no totally yeah um or but, why 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 Dave Franco? Why couldn't it have been like? And I'm not even saying it has to be black, right? Like it could be. We don't have enough Asian men in in movies. But that's not even the point. The point is that like, um, I know the whole argument like, oh, it's the best person for the job or whatever. But that's not why they cast these people. No, if it was it, the best person for the job, they would have cast actual high school aged actors. They cast it, them because they're hot and it's gonna sell. Imagine it was Morgan Freeman instead of Dave Franco, but nothing else changed. <laughs> Morgan, <laughs> no, 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 Morgan Freeman and Meryl Streep. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we're good. Then this movie is amazing. It's Oscar material. They each win. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, definitely. It's sure fire. So, um, yeah, so their whole job is to hack. Because I love this. Um, V's whole thing is uh, it's open source, right? So you can hack into it. And they just throw these terms that people are vaguely familiar with. And they're like, oh, Linux is open source. Like, if you even know that. Um we need more I mean, bots. Change whatever. <laughs> we need more bots. Like it, it was just, I don't know very much about hacking, so I don't know how accurate any of that is. But sure, they need more bots. Uh, at least it wasn't like uh, Jurassic Park, where she's like, "It's a Unix system. 
I know this. <laughs> like, he actually, like, uh, they, they hack in, and their whole thing is that they're going to shut the game down because they're the altruistic good hackers. Yeah. Um, and so while this is happening and they're hacking, she's like, you guys, do you really want this? Do you really want to be an, an accessory to murder? Do you really want to, to like, watch him kill me? Do, do you really want to watch somebody kill someone? Um, and everybody votes, and apparently, yes, they most of them <laughs> yeah. vote them to uh, to kill each other. They stopped uh, short of chanting "Die, bitch, die!" But I mean, the I writing was on they the wall. Just needed like the Caesar character yeah. with like the mask on, just turning his thumb upside down yeah. <laughs> from the stands. Um, and so, uh, tied to go, pulls his gun out and uh, and shoots her as she's like walking away or something. Yeah. She falls over, and Dave Franco is losing his mind. And they managed to, at that moment they managed to hack the planet, and they uh, send a message to everybody that says, "You congratulations, you're an accessory to murder. Do you want to log out?" And so everybody feels bad, and they start logging out, and everybody's just quiet, and they just like leave, and they're like, "No, oh, this sucks." Yeah, it's like they didn't really learn a lesson. They're just like, "Oh, I guess I'm an accessory to murder, or whatever." <laughs> like, is that part of the game? It, it totally doesn't make any sense. And uh, then, you know, uh, Dave Franco's super pissed and uh, tied to go is uh, walking towards them and he's yelling at him and he's about, to, I think he's about to shoot him. And uh, suddenly V sits up and she's like, no, it was all fake. It was all fake. And that's where you find out that uh, Sydney's job that she was supposed to do was to go find tied to go and be like, Hey, can you come to this thing and pretend to want to shoot my friend and have this gun with blanks in it? Because where the hell, wait, wait a minute. Where did they get a gun with blanks? That's America. Every gun is available on the streets. And I guess they found they got some... it for the vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you want or blanks? Blanks, please. Blanks. That'll be <laughs> extra. <laughs> blanks are like $4,000 per round. Yeah. Uh, uh, the bullets are like five cents. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out that it was all fake. She had fake blood for some reason, which wasn't really apparent because she was wearing a red hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> so like you only knew there was fake blood because like Dave Franco had some on his hand after. So it was like really weirdly put together. And he's like, uh, um, uh, tied to go is like, Hey, are we cool? And Dave Franco's like, yeah, I guess we're cool. And he's like, She's crazy. You better watch out for her. No, he's like, he I says, will. you got yourself a real... Ba- oh, no, your girl's a real badass. Yeah, something like oh, that. Jesus. Anyway, it was, like, really dumb. Yeah. Um, And this is the point where I'm like, what the hell is this? Is this movie really about internet anonymity? Like, is that supposed to be the moral? Because it if, if it is, it's really freaking murky. Because at the same time that the movie seems to be taking, like, this really um, black and white stance on anonymity, you have, like, the hackers who saved the day. They're yeah. the ones who actually <laughs> shut down the thing, who depend on their anonymity on the internet in order to do the thing that saved everyone. I yeah. don't know. It just... It's, I, I'm not sure what this movie's about, man. I, I think the message is supposed to be like, don't fall into uh, like crowd thinking because that's bad. You should always want to be yourself, and don't succumb to peer pressure. 
even though succumbing to peer pressure in this instance is what led her to being herself and also meeting the guy of her dreams. And Exactly! So, uh, it works out for her. Everything it's has this caveat of, like, don't do this thing, but if you are going to do it, make sure that it's the best thing that you ever do. Do you um, think a better ending would have been if she actually died? I, I, and then everybody was an accessory to murder, and then it was on the news? No, I actually think that that would also be super cheesy. Like, I don't think they should have done that whole thing at all with the final thing or anything like that. Um, I, I don't know where I would have taken it, but um, like from what I actually enjoyed about the movie was the the trill-seeking scenes and right. just the way it looked, like the neat visuals and the really colorful aesthetic and like the webcam view and status updates popping out of the phones at the start and stuff like that. Like, and the transitions to phone camera recordings were always really smooth and like, they didn't take any of the slickness away from the movie. Like when I was watching the movie, that's all I was thinking of it the whole way through was that like, yes, this is a teen movie. Um, but it's got some really nice visuals and stuff like that. When it got to the final acts, my brain had kind of switched off. I don't even know what I wanted from it, but I knew it wasn't what I was seeing. And I think it was that was one of the problems of the way that the story is set up is that it is really engaging because of that thrill seeking and because of the kind of voyeur aspect of it that, yeah. that you get you get caught up in that despite how you feel about any other part of the movie that voyeurism of like watching them do these things and having kind of like a peek into like even their private conversations um, through other characters like Sydney when she hears uh, V chewing her out. Um, to Liam at the carousel or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that stuff is, it's, it grabs you because we all have like that part of us that likes hearing dirt on other people and like seeing things that maybe you're not supposed to be seeing, right? Yeah. Um, that's kind of like ingrained in, in human nature. It's that natural curiosity that leads to many people like in animals like getting hurt or dying where we, we, you know, tap into things a little too much when we should back off. Um, and so like the movie does a good job of capturing that, but it sets itself up for failure because it sets, it tells you about these finals throughout the whole movie that there's these finals and you have to be in the top two, like the top five or whatever. And then like you can make it into the finals, but then like, what are the finals? Cause it has to be a dare. That's what the game is set up on. Yeah. But then like, how does one person win and the other person not? It's yeah. just, it's weird. And so, um, I was under the impression that the finals in the year before's game in Seattle what was the hanging from the crane, which makes sense, right? Like that's like a big dare that goes wrong. Um, or it was like near the finals or whatever, but yeah. then like to just have them like your ticket to get into the finals is a gun. And then to win, you have to use a gun. Like, I don't understand why that had to be brought into it. Yeah, it all? doesn't make like, any sense. It, like, ideally, it would just be that the dares get more and more obscene, and whoever wins is the person with the balls to do all of them. Like, it, yeah, it, it, you're completely right when you said it sets itself up for failure. Like, it does, and that's sort of the biggest disappointment in the movie for me because I really dig um teen coming of age movies that's probably my favorite genre out of any like i absolutely love them um and this was not quite one of those like it definitely didn't have the sophistication of a coming of age movie but no. it, it was close enough to it that i was okay with it as long as it was combined with this beautiful like technicolor world that i just really really loved and i think they did a really good job of being like look 
we live in a, a digital dystopian hellscape and here is how it could look like that and um, that's the part of the movie that's good and it, like that's the other thing and we mentioned it when we were talking about the cutting that um, you really can't think about this movie too much because it really starts to fall apart especially when it comes to the characters and their motivations like yeah. look at v at the end of the movie she's happy with dave and uh this actually the biggest twist in the movie is that uh ian isn't his actual name it's that his name is really sam oh That's shit, that was just a screen i completely name. forgot about that <laughs> what a twist yeah <laughs> thanks m night Shyamalan. um yeah the she's happy with him and then she ends up like accepting the offer to the university in her area yeah or did she accept the offer to art school that's not really clear I yeah, honestly don't remember, but I got the impression that she was going to stay in uh, in uh, New York. Yeah, it's it's not really by that time the it's it was it wasn't like the thing had like a big sign on it that was like art school, and you could tell right away it was like oh yeah, she's doing the acceptance for art school, good for her. Like she's she's learned to to rely on the that impulsive nature just a little bit yeah. but then it's like is that the moral of it because that's problematic also because it also led to all this other shit that like wasn't good yeah so like it, it's just really gray and not in a good way where it's like morals are vague and they're constructs and it's like it wasn't like any sort of heady or lofty uh, ideal uh behind it it was just we don't know yeah it absolutely. It wasn't deliberate at all. Like the way that it's great. Like the, at no point were they like, yeah, this is a great way to contextualize the ambiguity of morality. No, it was just complete. Like they knew that having her give a big speech about morals to the crowd, that's going to be mm. a parent pleaser when they take their kids to see the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's. You just, think this takes nerve? Oh man, it was so like I actually. That I was the most cringeworthy so part hard. of the entire That was the funniest movie. part of it. It was so cringy. I, I couldn't... Uh, I was so disappointed to see that in there. But mm. I, I think I, I just enjoyed the movie on a different level in the sense that I, I enjoyed it visually. Like, I, I liked the way it looked and I liked the, the trill, the, like, thriller scenes. And mm. they were good enough for me to have come away with, like, a positive re reflection of the movie. Like, I, I, I do think it's worth the watch, but it, it, did it do the thing it set out to do? Uh, who can say? Because what did it set out to do? It... Yeah, that's and that's kind of the thing, right? Is that at the end of the day, the reason why, like, on my scale, this would probably be like a four, maybe. Like, I wouldn't pay to see this movie. That's, a, you know... It's on Netflix, that's fine, but like, I don't know that I would pay to see this movie. And I don't know that I would tell anyone, like, oh, you should pay to see this movie. I, I do know I have friends who this movie is right up their alley, and they would totally love it. And that's fine, because sometimes we need popcorn stuff and just, like, entertainment and not necessarily, like, those, those heady ideals. But the problem is that, like, there were so many elements in there that had potential to have like a really interesting message, particularly when you're talking about the internet and when you have those ideas of like, well, like what is internet anonymity? How does that work? Like what is the gray area there? You have the hacker characters who are like, they do represent the gray area, right? But they yeah. never actually use that to their benefit in the storytelling. And it'd be interesting also to see like, really like what the book is actually about, because if the book 
we we see this a lot with movies that are turned into books. It happened with particularly the first Hunger Games uh, movie, where like that's the movie was about the the games, and that's not what the book was about at all, right? The the book had a lot more of that like uh, dystopian sci-fi feel to it, and yeah. the movie was just like this is a movie where kids have to kill kids, but it's also a love story. <laughs> like it it you know it's not. Um, like the the movie doesn't accurately reflect like what the the higher levels of thinking are occurring in the book uh, or what the book is saying. So I'd be interested in seeing actually like what the book is really about because maybe there is something there more about like the 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 morality of it or the herd mentality. There's so many like little things that there are these little threads that don't really get. I don't. There isn't like a good uh, any catharsis for them, and so. That's like the thing where like I enjoyed the ride, but the ending lets me down so much that it ends up dropping my score for the movie like personally, just because I feel like there was potential to talk about it's like they got so close to actually talking about things that matter that I don't know, they could they could have just gone there, but they didn't. Like they didn't they didn't want to alienate like the the kind of crowd that because ultimately what the movie is is that the people that this movie appeals to is also like the people that the movie's kind of saying like hey this is this shit's bad yeah i totally agree with that i think that's a really good point i think the exact people who enjoy the movie are the exact ones who would be on there like posting vote yes shoot her yeah absolutely yeah um i i I think it's it's like i think it's a really funny um perception of myself or like example of myself that I I don't even care that the ending was bad. I was just so impressed by the colors that I'm like, yeah, this movie's great. Go see it. Oh, visually it's awesome. It's so colorful. Like the colors are amazing. Um, I think it would be I I would go see it in the cinema because of how colorful it is. Honestly, like that is literally what I'm taking. Go see Blade away. Runner. That's honestly part of why I'm excited for Blade Runner is the soundtrack and the cinematography. Same. I I thought like the. I have opinions on Blade Runner that uh, I, I don't know. The way it looks is just a huge part of why I don't think it's a piece of shit, I guess. Um, and this... Are you not a fan of the story of Blade Runner? Um, I don't even know if I am. Like, uh, Justine really didn't like it when we watched it. I made her watch it because I was like, Blade Runner's awesome. You love 80s stuff. And we watched it and she's like, this is shit. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. I want to like it, but I didn't. Uh, maybe it's another topic for another day because yeah. I, I do have a lot to say about it, but it's a whole lot of nothing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, we should review Blade Runner. Yeah, we should. I would. Uh, would I be down for watching it again? Could I do that to myself? Well, I mean, the new one. We could watch the new one. Oh yeah, I'm it totally down for that. Definitely. I, I really want to talk about how Jared Leto definitely has incriminating evidence on his hard drive. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, I, I would give nerve like a 6.2. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, it is a, an enjoyable popcorn movie that has a instantly forgettable ending, but the ride is enjoyable enough that you'll be satisfied that you watched it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I do feel that. Like I, I, like I said, I know there's people that I know who would love this movie. Mm. I'm just trying to pull up some of the Rotten Tomato um, 
reviews to see if I can find a five-star review for it. While you're doing that, what I'll say is that the soundtrack to it was really, really good. Um, There's a a lot of cool songs on there that I had never heard before. One of them is uh, Soap by Melanie Martinez. I'm like addicted to that song now. I think it's amazing. Um, I've never really been a big fan of that Anything You Want song by uh, Roy Orbison, but it fit the scene pretty well. I'm surprised they chose that song and not a more obvious sort of hit. Like, I know that that is an obvious hit, but they could have gone with, like, a, a whole host of, like, more popular and instantly recognizable songs. So um, I thought that was an interesting choice. But other than that, the soundtrack worked really well, even though it's really varied and really diverse. But they all fit together somehow. And I think that that is a result of the world that they created um, and that those songs populated. Like, they, they just create this sort of tread Uh, Mm. where they fit into each other even though they shouldn't really they don't have any right to but it works so fair play to whoever came up with that idea because it worked really well This has n- what? Do you think this takes nerve? What did she say? I don't fucking I don't know. know. It's the worst line it's, I think I've heard all year. <laughs> uh, it's it's not as bad as I spend a lot of time on the dark web. That's probably my favorite line of the. Year. You're only accessing ten percent of the internet. <laughs> it's like what the hell? Uh it's so good. Oh, Tommy. Yeah, what a guy. You're only accessing ten percent of your friendship. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> that sounded a lot more clever than it actually was. Yeah, if you actually, if you unpack that statement, it makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. <laughs> it's kind of like the end of the movie. It implies that like a hundred percent, a hundred percent of friendships. Like if you are experiencing a hundred percent of your friendship with a person, it's just full on intimate sex all the time. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Imagine doing a PSA. <laughs> you only access ten percent of your friendships. <laughs> I think that's a good. That's the moral of this of this movie. You only access ten percent of your friendships. Yeah, totally. Excellent. Now go and be a real friend and have sex with all your friends. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs>